Okay, so good morning, gentlemen, on this beautiful day. We're going to finish off the parsha of Vayishlach. We are holding when Yaakov is traveling back. He's still on the journey back to his father. It's a long journey. He's on the road, and his wife, Rachel, becomes... Now she's already pregnant. So I guess the blessing of Hashem that he'll become into our nation. And she goes into labor to have a baby. And the baby, the labor is an extremely painful labor, and she can feel that she is dying in this labor. Today, Baruch Hashem, having a baby is not as dangerous as it used to be. Back in the olden days, before the unbelievable advances of medicine, many, many women sadly died having a child. And as she's on her deathbed giving birth to Binyamin, the midwife who's giving birth, tells her, don't worry, this too will be a boy for you. So you're going to have given birth to at least two of the 12 tribes, which was obviously a big source of comfort to her. So as she's breathing her last breath, the Torah says, literally, as her soul is leaving her body because she's dying, she calls her son Ben-Oni. What does Ben-Oni mean? As Rashi tells us, Oni is from a language of tsar, of pain, the son of my affliction, the son of my suffering. The son I was born to, and I died to give birth to this child. What? Seven. Yeah. Seven. But Yaakov, but his father calls him Binyamin. Binyamin means the son of my right side, which is the south. All of the other 12, 11 children, 12 including Dina, the other 11 tribes were born in the north. Not in Israel, but in Haran, by their father-in-law, by Lavan. The only child who was born in the land of Israel is Binyamin. So therefore he calls him Binyamin, which means... Ben Yamin, the son of my right side. Um, first of all, Ben Yamin is the son of full days. Son of full days. Right it's on the south, the south. So the south is the right. North, if you're facing east, okay. you're facing east, which side is south? You're right. And the north is left. So in general, you know, we compare the north is left, and it's also cold, whatever, the south is right, that's... So either, according to the way Rashi says it, either it's called Ben Yamin, the language of full days, or because he was born in, you know, the end of his, at, at the age of Yaakov's full life, already Yaakov's olden days when, he, when his son of his old age was born to him, or because he, the son was born to him in the south, in Israel, which is a tremendous source of pride to him, at least one of his children was born in the Holy Land. However, there's something about this story that bothers me tremendously, which is, and I have a good answer for that, don't worry. Which is, how could Yaakov not give the, last, the name that his wife gave? Imagine that your wife is dying, and the last breath that she's giving, her last final, her last uh, dying wish, that her son should be called Ben-Omi. Would you change your son's name? Right? If your woman's dying, her last breath, as she dies, call my son Ben-Omi, that's his name. Would you not listen to your wife and give her a different name? How's the same? Ben only means son of my affliction, my suffering. Yamin is the right side, the right hand. Or, or full days. Yamin is days. How is affliction connected to the right side? Being born in Israel. That's absolutely true. I, I agree with that. You don't want to have a name of sadness, you know, hanging over your head your whole life that you are the one. Now you want to say also, you don't want to have that. You don't want to have that like feeling of guilt almost like I killed my mother. You know, my, my very existence caused my mother to die. That's a, 
it's a heavy burden for a kid to bear. I absolutely agree, and that's a good answer. But at the end of the day, he's still not respecting his wife's wishes. So we understand the reason why Yaakov wouldn't want his son to carry a name of guilt and of, of you know, negativity. I get that. Well, the Ben part <laughs> sounds similar. Okay. The Ramban gives a beautiful answer. I love this answer. The Ramban gives an answer as follows. Yaakov absolutely honored his wife and absolutely kept the same name that his wife gave her. Same name. He wouldn't change her. You know, if she's dying and she gave a request for it, he wouldn't change the name. He just said it in a different language. So only Rashi translates it as affliction. But the Ramban says it only means a different word. We have, for example, when Reuven is being blessed by Yaakov, how does he bless his son? You are my kochi, veracious only. You are my might, the first of my strength. Own could also be strength. Right? In Hebrew, own could be strength. So only, he's translated, she meant my son of affliction. But Yaakov is translating it as the son of my strength. So therefore, since only could either mean sadness, affliction, or it could be strength, so therefore, he changes it to Yamin. What's Yamin? The right side. What's the right side? The side of strength. When you want to say that something is strong, you say, my right hand. Left hand is usually the weaker hand. Right hand is a stronger hand. So by Yaakov calling his son Ben Yamin, the son of my right hand, he's actually saying, this is the Ben only. This is the son of my strength. Exactly as Rachel has said, but in, in Hebrew, instead of in different language. Okay. Anyway, that's the name of Binyamin. He is his, his mother dies as he's born, and she died. She's buried right there on the road on the side leading towards Ephrat, which is by Beit Lechem. And there, right there, where she passed away on the side of the road, he builds for her a monument over her burial spot. And this monument is a monument of the of the grave of Rachel, Kever Rachel, until today. Until today, you can go to Kever Rachel. And the original monument is there. Now, now there's a whole building on top of it, a whole shul. And then around that, there's a massive fortress that the, the, the soldiers, the IDF, or the government, has built to protect those that pray because surrounded by Arabs all around. But you can still go there till today. Anyway, after that, he uh, makes a monument for her. And Yaakov continues to travel on, going towards Hebron. And he yet again delayed, and he pitches his tent in Migdal Eder. Again, w- taking his time to get to his father Yaakov in Hebron. Again, this is considered a mistake. And again, Yaakov is punished as a result of this. And what happens? We are told, it doesn't say it explicitly in the Torah, but the Torah says that then Reuven lied with Bil- Bilha, the concubine of his father, and Israel heard about it. But as the commentaries tell us, what does that mean? Yaakov, after Rachel died, moved his bed from Rachel's tent, she wasn't alive, to the tent of Bilha, who was... The maid of Rachel. That's how much he felt an attachment to Rachel. He wanted to still be closer, so he went to go be with Rachel's maid. Reuven, who was very sensitive to his mother's feelings, says that's not right. As long as Rachel was alive and she had to play, and my mother Leah had to play second fiddle to Rachel, I understand. They were sisters, and he loved his sister. But now that my mother, who's the sister, one of the main wives, should be second fiddle to a maid, that's not okay. So he went and he moved his bed from, he moved Yaakov's bed from Bilah's tent to Leah's tent. That was considered a sin because a child should not be getting involved in the marital aspects of their parents' relationship. That's off limits. And as a result of getting involved, where he shouldn't have been involved, 
he was considered to have sinned. And for the rest of his life, he does teshuva, he does repentance for the sin. We'll discover that we'll go back to the sin later when Yosef is sold as a slave. Okay, anyway, after that, Torah tells us that the sons of Yaakov are 12. Why does the Torah tell us that there's 12 sons of Yaakov? First of all, simply to tell you that Yaakov is finally returning home to his father. Complete. All 12 tribes have finally been born. He has finished building up the future of the Jewish people. But in addition to that, the Torah wants to tell us that even though Reuben had just committed a sin by moving his father's bed from one tent to a different tent, he still is considered righteous. He is still considered one of the 12 tribes of Israel. And from here we see that all of the 12 sons of Israel, of Yaakov, are righteous. This is the praise of Yaakov. I'm going to talk about this God willing Monday night. The greatest praise of Yaakov is that Mitaso Shlema, his bed, was complete. His bed was complete, meaning every one of his children remained righteous and connected to Hashem. They followed the path that Yaakov had, had prepared for them. So the Torah lists the 12 sons of Yaakov, the sons of Leah, Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, Yisachar, Zvulan, sons of Rachel, Yosef, and Benjamin, sons of Bilha, Rachel's maid is Don and Naphtali, and the sons of Zilpah, the maid of Leah, is God and Asher. Again, the Torah repeats, these are the sons of Yaakov that were born to him. And now, finally, Yaakov returns to Yitzchak, his father. After 22 years of being away from home, very long time, he comes back to his father in Hebron, and then the Torah tells us that Yitzchak passed away at the age of 180 years old. Now the truth is that Yitzchak did not pass away at this point in the story. We know the Torah, this Torah is not in a chronological order. Yitzchak would live for many, many more years. Yitzchak will be alive when Yosef is sold as a slave and all that. We're going to learn about that. Yitzchak was still alive. But the Torah tells us here that Yitzchak passed away because once Yaakov returned back to Israel, back to Hebron, and now Yaakov assumed his position as the leader of the Jewish people, as the father of the Jewish people, Yitzchak's influence in the world had ended. Yitzchak's, you know, his job had ended, and therefore he's. We learned about his passing, how he passes away. He is gathered to his people by by Yosef Amav, Zakein, old and satisfied with his days, meaning his days were fulfilled, his days were accomplished, and he was buried by Esav and Yaakov, his sons. His two sons come together to bury him in Machpelah, in, in the cave of Machpelah, in Hebron. Okay. Now the end of the Torah is going to, the end of the Parsha, rather, is going to be all of the other children of Yitzchak and their descendants and where they go. And then we can go back to the story of Yaakov's children and Yosef and the tribes and all that. So first, the descendants of Esav, who is also known as Edom. So Esav marries several wives. Esav marries several wives. He marries Ada, the daughter of Elachiti. These are all the women we talked about before that had different names. They made up names. He told his father, so his father wouldn't know that they were not righteous. Here's their real names. Here's their legal names on their on the birth certificate. He marries Ada, the daughter of Elon. He marries Ahalivama, the daughter of Anna, and the daughter of Tzirin Hachivi. Why did the Torah tell us that Alivama was the daughter of Anna and the daughter of Tzirin? To tell you that she was not really a legitimate child. She was actually uh, not, she was not Anna's biological daughter. Rather, she was the illegitimate daughter of Anna's wife, 
together with Anna's daughter, who is Tzivia the Chitain. So Esav was married to, 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 to a girl who was born out of wedlock. Uh, not out of wedlock, a bastard. And a mamzer. And Basmas, who was the daughter of Yishmael, and the sister of Nevoid, because her father passed away when she was young. And then the Torah tells us how Oda marries Esav and has Aliphaz. And Basmas, well, I'm just going to go quickly through all these names. We're not going to look at all the names. I'll just tell you one name that's important is Timna. Timna wants to marry into the... Timna was also an illegitimate girl, also born from a concubine. She knew that the family of Esau wouldn't take... She wanted to be close to the family of Avraham. She knew that Esau wouldn't even marry her because she was born also a mamzer. But so what did she do? She became a concubine to Esau, and from her was born a Amalek. So that one's important to point out. The birth of Amalek from this illeg- another illegitimate child from Timna, who was a Pelegesh, who was a concubine of Asa. Anyway, all things are important. Asa, they are important. The Torah says, but I'm saying for the sake of time, we'll just. Asa dwells on Mount Seir. Asa is Edom. The Torah tells us first that he moved away from Hebron. He left Israel. When Yaakov came, Asa felt he couldn't be in the same place as Yaakov, so he permanently leaves Israel. And travels north to the Mount of Seir, which is the land of Edom, and that's why Esav is Edom. And uh, then it lists us all the sons of Esav, from the sons of, of Eliphaz, the sons of uh, Timna. I already mentioned to you, sons of Ruel, the sons of uh, all the different chiefs, etc. Then the Torah tells us about the sons of Seir Hachiri, the Chirate. He was from the original inhabitants of the land of Seir who were there before Esav came and drove his family out. His four families, Leitan, Shavuot, Sivan, and Anna. We already mentioned Sivan and Anna. And then we come to, they were driven out by Esav. And then we come to the kings of Edom. Now, again, there's seven kings of Edom. Why do we need to know the seven kings? First of all, the family of Esav. But although on a simple level, it's not much here, Kabbalistically, this is a very powerful paragraph, very important paragraph. The seven worlds, seven uh, emotions of the world of Tohu that break and fall, they are these seven kings. The Torah tells us that there were kings that ruled before. These are, these are the kings that ruled over the land of Edom, Lefnei Melach Melach, Yisrael, before the king ruled over the king of Israel. Meaning, before you had the king of Israel, which is representative of the world of Tikkun, the world of fixing and rectifying the universe. Before that, you had the kings of Edom. Who were the kings? The first one that ruled over Edom was Bela ben Ba'ar. He was a ruler over the city of Dinhava. And then Vayamas Bela, he died. When he died, he was a Shvira Sakelim, the breaking of the vessels of that world, of that emotion. After Bela was Yovav. He was in the city of Batsra. And each one of these things in Kabbalah are very significant. When I, I don't know them all by heart, and it's not for right now. After after Yova from Batra, you have Chusham. Chusham, after him, you have Hadad ben Badad. He's in Midian. And then in his city called Avis. After him is Samla. He's in the city of Masreka. After him, you have, each one says they died. Then you have Shaul, and then Shaul dies. He's from Rehobah Sanar, and he dies. Then you have Baal Hanan ben Akbar. He is. Um, he, I'm not sure where he is. Oh, here, here's in Pau. And then you have Hadar. That's the last one. He's in, he is in, he is, his wife, when he gets married, 
Anyway, these are the kings of the family of Esav. These are the kings of Edom. And after we finish this, next week we can go back to the story of Yaakov's family. Yes, question. Shabbat shalom to you.